Hello and welcome to the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm Mike Varley. And I'm Jesse Hyatt. And this is week 33 of our 52-week walk around New York City. It is, and this week we're walking a route called the Two Racetracks. Yeah, lots of exciting stuff happened this week. Uh, first off, this is our first week of our final month of Queens. Whoa! We're starting to really? reach our finals. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if you can believe it. I didn't realize. Yeah. I, wow. That's right. I guess I can believe it, though. Yeah, so that's very exciting. Yeah. We had a heck of a weather week, so that's exciting. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Yeah, snowy, blowy. Snowy and blowy. More snow in New York City than we've had in... I think at least five years is what I heard. That's what they've one. been saying. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. And we got to visit the two racetracks of the New York City area. Yeah. So New York has, or New York City has the Aqueduct and the Belmont. Mm-hmm. Are there any others in New York City? Not in New York City presently. We split up the responsibilities for research this week. So I took Belmont. Jesse took Aqueduct. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I have a little bit of uh, info on that. Yeah, I have some fun things to share. With but the you. short answer is no. Okay. There are none. Okay. And yeah, we have, uh, yeah, these, both these parks are on what might be considered the outskirts of Queens a little right. bit, you know, uh, at the edges because yeah. racetracks take up a lot of space. That's true. Yeah, so the Aqueduct is out near JFK. Yeah. And Belmont is actually technically in Nassau, which is another fun thing that we're doing this week. I know I was going to say another fun first, but we haven't listed any firsts. It's just another thing. It is a first. <laughs> we're actually, we went into Nassau County, which is known as Long Island. It's always confusing because technically we're on Long Island when we're in Brooklyn and Queens, but... It's what people refer to as Long Island. That's right. We had to make a judgment call as to whether or not leaving the city limits made sense. Yeah. In this case, Belmont is part of kind of the city vibe. Right. It's literally on the border of Queens and Nassau County. That's right. Nassau. 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 Yeah. I'm not from Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we our, our route, in fact has us going to a park, I think Pat Williams Park, where mm -hmm. you can see the Belmont. But right. <laughs> we we decided to go a little bit beyond, go that extra couple of steps mm -hmm. over into the to, to view the uh, park. And so you'll get yeah. a chance to see that at some point. Which, too. while we're talking about it, just real quick, this is not something I've shared with you, but it's for some reason, I guess because... I've only ever really taken the Long Island Railroad or driven out mm -hmm. to Long Island. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't really make sense to me that we can walk there. Like when we, when we realized that we had passed We can into, walk to the center of the earth, according to our mileage I know, recaps. which is why it's ridiculous. because we've Nassau also, County's like, too far. We've obviously already done these like multi-city, I mean, we walked the entire state of Vermont two summers ago. Like I know that we can like right. walk from city to city, but we had these weird, like we kind of had to like do weird highway things when we did that. And we actually did kind of have to do a weird highway thing. Yeah. on this route, but not nearly as extreme as it's been in other states. And there's just, yeah, there's something that, like, in my head, when I realized that we had crossed over into Long Island, 
I was like, how do we do that? <laughs> Black magic. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. yeah, it was like... The dark arts. I was very shocked. Yeah. And then, because it also just felt still like Queens. Uh-huh. It just blended seamlessly. I thought there'd be more of like, yeah, like you're running through a gate or I don't know, like you're passed into the, the other so That's funny because maybe... But no, I really just felt like you had to be in a car to get there. Maybe it's the fact that I'm from Long Island, but yeah. I felt a difference in you the did. neighborhoods. I did. Oh, interesting. We're going through Elmont. Yeah. Belmont is in Elmont. <laughs> there are some really nice collections of homes. Really enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they just feel, something about them feels more, I don't know, it, that it feels more intentioned in its development. Hmm. I don't even want to say suburban necessarily. It's just like they're, the way in which the houses are all next to each other and the size of them and whatnot, just something about them, maybe just because they, they are more uniform. Hmm. I, don't, I don't really know. And it could just be all me putting some idea on it. Maybe the houses yeah. in Queens Village just on the other side of the expressway are, you know, are the same. But yeah. I, it didn't seem that way to me. There's so. something that made you feel like you were at home. I, I, no, not even home, because Nassau and Suffolk County are different Very in their different, own right. Yeah. But just it felt like, yeah, I was on Long Island. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I definitely noticed when we were in that neighborhood that it was like that we had entered a new neighborhood. Yeah. But for me, I just felt like, oh, I guess we're in a new neighborhood in Queens. I wonder what this is. And yeah. then I realized we were in a new neighborhood in a new county. Yeah. So anyway, we went to Long Island this weekend. That's right. Or this week. But let's get into the uh, racetracks. Let's why don't let's we start? talk about them. Yeah. You want to start? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Great. So let's start with Aqueduct. Okay. So yeah. So I have this big book here. There we go. Um, my I'm going to start with telling everyone that and you, Mike, Aqueduct Racetrack yes. is also attached to a casino. Yeah. Called Resorts World. Yes. And what they call that is a racino. Oh. Have you ever heard that term? No, I haven't. I haven't either. I thought it was very cute. It's uh, just a racetrack and a casino combined. Yeah. I looked at it. I was like, what's a racino? And I thought that there'd be some sort of special description, but it's just, it's a racetrack and a casino and they've mashed it together. Yeah. But also while I was reading about it, I think it has something to do with the fact that there aren't table like in the casino there aren't dealers like physical people in person dealing out cards there's only electronic uh -huh. devices uh -huh. and i think there's different levels of casino so apparently in 2023 new york city is supposed to be allowed to start bidding on full-fledged casinos that mm. might even get pushed earlier mm -hmm. since there's all these financial issues right now right but yeah there's something about the the racetrack element that makes i guess because there's already betting happening at the racetrack they allow some types of other gambling yeah. to happen yeah and it's sort of like it's some kind of loophole honestly like all of this i've never been to a racetrack that i know of I've never gambled at a casino. Like, it's all so new to me. I don't really understand any of it. So I might be getting a little bit confused. But it seems like the racino is sort of like, 
yeah, a way to get extra extra money in the purse is mm. what they said. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, historically, from what I've gathered, and it was really like trying to make the decision for like how deep to dive on these mm -hmm. topics because we were talking about the racetracks and then we go into casinos, which right. leads to the history of gambling in New York State. Yeah. Where, you know, there has been at various times attempts to curtail gambling and horse racing as a consequence in the right. state, which, yeah, maybe that's that's why they have these weird rules about, you know, the types of casino operations that can happen. Yeah. And with gambling rules recently relaxing in recent years, I, yeah, I think it's going to be coming back. But I... It is the only casino in the city currently. It's the only casino that's actually in the confines of the five boroughs. Right. There's a couple casinos. Like, there's one right outside the Bronx, Empire. There's another one, I think, slightly south and over. Like, there's a couple that are sort of just outside of the city limits. But, yeah, at the moment, uh, the resorts world, I believe, is the only one in. Right actually in the city and atlantic city obviously right and, like and sands Sonic, casino yeah. is one that opened near where i grew up yeah uh like within the last 10 years yeah. um speaking of what you just said the gambling rules changing so much over time mm -hmm. one thing that's kind of i thought was kind of interesting and like maybe a little fishy um resorts world opened in 2011 uh-huh and wow it's been there that long oh i thought that was that seemed new in i mean my it is new but it also opinion i don't know Go on. yeah yeah i mean it's also like basically like almost as long as either of us has lived here yeah but i didn't i don't know i feel like we would have known if it was more recent i feel like i would have heard like oh there's a casino like i feel like there would have been more yeah rumbling about it but they were doing all sorts of different negotiations for almost 10 years leading up to that yeah. of different groups bidding for it. And um, there was, you know, there was one organization that was going to open it and they were they like had the contract for two years, but then they couldn't make a three hundred and fifty million dollar prepayment to the city. So they lost their contract. So they had to open up bidding all over again. And then when they finally got the company that has it right now, which is a Malaysian company, I forget what they're called, mm -hmm. but then they start partnering with all sorts of different people, and then that's like a whole nother system, and at one point Jay-Z was involved, but then there was some kind of like quid pro quo thing that was like being said was happening, so then Jay-Z had to back out so the other guy could like keep his standing in the casino, and like right. it just, it like, this is also all from Wikipedia, so like you can go read it. But it was I was reading it last night, and then I fell asleep, and then I read it again today, and was also like, it's really just like lists of like long lists of names of like all these people were involved, and then all these people were involved, and then there was Jay Z, and like yeah, it's very like I don't know, it seems just really convoluted, the whole thing, <laughs> getting this thing yeah built yeah, but. In the time um, that that happened, I guess off-track betting yeah, okay. was having a hard time. Uh -huh. And in 2010, 
was when off-track betting financially collapsed mm. and permanently closed. Mm. But Resorts World opened in 2011. Mm. And apparently the aqueduct saw a 61% increase on, in one day. Okay. Because of off-track betting closing. Right. And coming to their, their facilities. And they started offering free shuttle bus services from old OTB branches. Mm. And then with that free shuttle bus, you would also get a free hot dog, a free soft drink, and a post-parade program. Okay. I could, there was like a, a, the little number that's above, not a footnote, but whatever the, uh, whatever. I could have clicked on that. I didn't. Yeah. Um, Citation? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. About the post-parade program. Maybe yeah. we'll find out later. Yeah. Anyway, um, Let's get to just the history of the aqueduct real quick. Sure. So it was opened in 1894. Okay. So if you think Resorts World has been around for a while, right. the aqueduct has been around for a real long time. Yeah. Yeah. And they were opened by the Queens County Jockey Club at yeah. that time. Mm -hmm. It was named after the Ridgewood Aqueduct. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which we've talked about before on here. Yeah, way back before we even started walking. Yeah. When we were in hard quarantine. Yeah. We went to the aqueduct because it's within walking, within normal walking distance of right. our house. <laughs> yeah, it's not too far from here at all. Um, yeah, and I guess they, at the time, it was considered to be close by. Yeah. Which is fun. That's like what it said. Oh, it was named after the nearby waterway right which now i don't think anyone in ridgewood would really consider the aqueduct near jfk to be like close by not not in the same way yeah. like it, it yeah, seems it's like four or five miles far. i think yeah and just probably with all the development now like at the time it was also probably just more like open land yeah and four to five miles really isn't that far in open land but in a cityscape yeah it's seen, it's like many neighborhoods apart too. Right. Um, so in 1955, the aqueduct changed hands. It was taken over by the Greater New York Association, mm -hmm. which is also the NYRA, yep. which I see that acronym a lot. Mm -hmm. And I guess you know about them because they also own Belmont. Mm -hmm. Saratoga mm -hmm. and the Jamaica Racecourse, which is no longer a racecourse. It's now a housing projects in Jamaica. Right. So yeah, they owned it and then I think flipped it immediately. Well, within four years, flipped it. Yeah, I read something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then right around the time when they took over, they did a two-year, $33 million renovation. Okay. on the aqueduct mm -hmm. and part of that was to switch out one of the tracks that had previously been a turf course okay to make it a dirt course yeah and i guess because it has a dirt course it can be open year round right something about puddling or something okay so they have three courses at the aqueduct they have the main track which is the dirt course mm -hmm. that's a mile and an eighth okay one and an eighth mile <laughs> There's the main turf course, which is one mile. Mm -hmm. And then there's the inner turf course, which is not measured in miles. It is 7.065 furlongs. Yeah. 
which is a word I've never heard. Like, I rode horses for 10 years. I've never heard of a furlong. And really? then I looked it up. Yeah, and it's not even a horse term. It's just like a old, stupid unit of measure. I'm sorry, furlongs. Um, but I guess it's just like an old, like, king's measurement. Sure. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with the term. I couldn't tell you what the exact length is. It's, well, eight furlongs is a mile. Oh, okay. There you go. But I guess the furlong is a... Yeah, I forget the word for it, but it's like it's like an old sort of type of measurement that yeah. is just used in very specific cases. Yeah. So that's the racetrack. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about our experience of actually going? Yeah, there. let's talk about it. So for starters, I was thinking about how to describe it as far as like going there. And I feel like it's like no other place I've been to in New York City, but like many places I've been to outside of New York City. Really? I think so, yeah. Oh. Well, when we first, okay. I mean, not like a thousand places, but like it, it definitely feels similar in the way that things are spaced. As far as like, what part of it are we talking about? Because we went, there's really kind of like three sections, I'd say, that we experienced. Okay. There's the parking lot. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're talking about? I'm talking there's about... There's like leading up to well, it. Well, what are your three spaces? Okay. So there's the parking lot leading up to it. Uh -huh. There's the racetrack itself, which we were not able to enter, but we could see from a bird's eye view in the third space, which is the casino. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm referring to the uh, the all the exterior space, okay, which surrounds Aqueduct itself. Yeah, okay, I agree with you on that. Then definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like a big old parking lot. It feels clean and new. The fact that it was from 2011 was why it was surprising to me. Mm. They have these like well, big triangular islands within the parking lot area mm -hmm. that are uh, filled with uh, light stone gravel right. to make everything look kind of clean. And uh, it immediately got snowed on the rest yeah. of the week, but we did get a chance to see it. But it was, it, it just, it was unusual in how it was fairly well manicured. And again, just not something that you would see in New York City, like all this space and fairly new looking construction. Yeah. Well, the hotel that's there mm -hmm. is brand new, mm. like within the year. Yeah. So maybe that's what, maybe they did some sort of like cleaning up, fancying up. Maybe, yeah. It's also currently the site of COVID vaccinations. Right, yeah. Which was interesting because the approaching it on the first day and really m most subsequent days, it felt like there was all this traffic that was driving around, but also this weird sense of vacancy as though all of the traffic was simulated. Like we were in a video game and it was like AI or something. Sure, yeah, I, could, I can see how you would see it that way. Yeah, and it may just be because I'm unused to a space seeming operational yeah. right now. It definitely did seem operational. Also, yeah, I mean, when there's a lot of traffic, in New York City, it's so rare that it's flowing well. And it, it was. It was like there were two lanes and there were like people coming in, there were people going out. Yeah. And 
I don't think anyone was honking. Like, no one was going the wrong way. Right. No one was, like, trying to make a weird turn anywhere. They were just, like, coming in or going out. Yeah. Yeah. And I – so when we – knew we were going to be doing this walk and we also knew that the aqueduct was a vaccine site we were or i was at least curious like you know i had heard stories of at the end of the day people are going out onto the street that work there saying like oh we have a few extra doses like if anyone's out here and i don't get the feeling that that's happening there because the vaccine site is so far from where anyone would typically be walking like the, the fact that we were just doing this project this week brought us down all the way to that spot. But no one would ever be walking there just like casually. I mean, maybe they go offer vaccines to people in the casino or something, but it really was removed. Like it was in the most far part of the parking lot per- possible. Yeah, it seemed that way. Yeah. So that was the, there's also a a train stop, an A train Mm -hmm. stop that goes right there. And that seems to go funnel in right into, I don't know if it funnels into the racetrack seating or the casino, probably both. I I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. But it kind of goes overhead into that area. Yeah. I think it might kind of like split off. Yeah. But I don't know. We didn't actually walk up that part. And then the part two would be the casino which we made the decision to go into on our final day, which is today. We're recording at the end of the day. Yeah. And yeah, you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Well, so when you said that the outside reminded you of nowhere in New York City, the inside of the casino weirdly reminded me of Spa Castle. (laughs) That was the first thing I thought of when we walked in there. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would really like to go back there post-COVID. It was a little weird i mean we like kind of went in i like expected to be carded and i expected to have to like do something before going in like i expected someone to at least like acknowledge us yeah and there was security and there was some like weird heat sensor thing we had to walk through there were all these signs that were like you're walking through a temperature check yeah. But it was basically like going through those huge easy pass things that don't actually have the booths where like, I don't know how it worked. But yeah, no one like stopped us. And then it was all very confusing. Like it felt like you had to just like know what you were doing. It was really loud. They were playing I'm blue with Dabudi. I was green. I would die blue. <laughs> how does that song go? I'm blue. If I were green, I would die. Is that the, what the words are? I'm blue, a dabu di, dabu die. I think it's in, I remember in elementary Eiffel school. Eiffel 65. Yeah, Eiffel. that's right. I remember in elementary school, kids would say, I'm blue. If I were green, I would die. But then I never knew if those were the real words because it just sounds like a dabu di, dabu die. They were also playing <laughs> yeah. Beck and Green Day. Yeah. And, yeah. But then there's like all the noises of the machines and it's very chaotic. And I think like, there i was overwhelmed by like feeling like it's like weird that there's people in here right now there were a lot of people during covid there that's what i felt too but i also am not sure how much of that was just like there was also just like a lot 
happening. Like it's buzzy and it's huge. And like it wasn't crowded by any means, but it felt like why like there are a lot of people in here. So we kind of just like went in, used the bathroom. I put $10 into a slot machine and like it was gone in five minutes. So I also understand, well, I didn't know how to use the slot machine. Okay. I like was like also spent quite a bit of time just being like, do I just put my, like I was like watching people, like what are they doing? Right. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it just, I didn't win. Yeah. I didn't even know how to, then I was like trying to pull the, thing and like that it like was just for a prop so I was like not nah, I wasn't doing it. and there were buttons and I didn't know what the buttons did I just kind of like pushed each button once and then it was like you're done yeah and I got seven a... cents I got it it printed my I hit cash out and it gave me a ticket that said seven cents so it was a penny slot machine where the max bet was three dollars a pull and I mean the, look I don't know much more than Jesse yeah but it ended up being that, like, she pressed max once or twice and then it was all gone. Yeah, I don't understand what happened. The, I, I, my underst I don't know why it's the penny, a penny slot machine, but it, you were able to lose $3 a spin. But the <laughs> idea is that, like, you can, there are all sorts of different ways you can make matches, diagonal, yeah. uh, you know, across, whatnot. And yeah. so you did hit win once for I did like hit one match. 60 cents. Right. And then whatever, it was gone pretty much immediately yeah. after that. I mean, and honestly, it was fine. Like, I, I don't know. I just, it was like, I had either a 10 or a 20 in my wallet. And I was like, well, I'm not putting a 20 into a slot machine. So I'll put the 10 in and I'll probably be able to play this for... I don't know how long. I don't know what I was expecting. I mean, I'm glad I did it. It was a fun experience. I feel like I have some information for the next time. I'd like to go back post-COVID and spend some time there. And um, yeah, I don't know. See uh, what yeah. it's really like. Yeah. Yeah. It seems fun. I said when we were there, cut this out if you don't want it shared, but I said... I want to be able to come back here after COVID and really have a fun time like you're supposed to have. And then you said casinos aren't fun. They're not made for fun. <laughs> and I didn't know what you meant by that. But <laughs> why don't you elaborate now? <laughs> I, I, the slot machine thing doesn't really appeal to me mm. because maybe because I don't know how to play them well enough, but ultimately it just feels like I'm just slowly getting drained of money. Yeah. I mean, there are card games, too. I don't mind the card games. It's just not necessarily something that's for me. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing about the slots. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. But I think the other thing about the slots that I thought was going to be more fun, I thought it was more like the whammy game. Uh-huh. You know how, like, like, I thought you could kind of, like, time it. Yeah, no. Whereas, like, you just push a button and then it goes and it's random and like you really just have no control yeah yeah i mean there Maybe may be some that's more timing it, yeah. or give you the illusion of timing yeah yeah it's... i don't know that the whammy really has that much but it feels like you can control like if, once right. you see the whammy you stop and then yeah. yeah yeah i mean the whole area feels like a really nice lobby yeah like, you know, the carpets are very clean. Everything, they looks, it seemed like they were doing a great job trying to keep the casino clean. Yeah. Thank goodness. They also had a bunch of, like, plexiglass 
set up like between yeah. every single machine and like they had some that were just like closed off and mm -hmm. like yeah it did seem like they were they were doing a good job like with all the yeah. requirements and then the third part of the area was the casino or the uh, racetrack which yeah. we didn't even really know that we were going to be able to see it just so happened as we were leaving we decided to go up to the top floor and then there's a smoking area where you can see the racetrack. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was yeah, nice to so be able to. Yeah, so that's good to know, too, because whenever there's a race, we could just go into the casino and you can just see the race from above. Yeah. Well, I imagine that the entry to the, the racetrack isn't very expensive anyway. You oh, know. actually, that's a good point. I, I don't think I wrote it down, but in my research... I read that at one point, I think it was in the 80s or 90s, was there someone named Spitzer in charge? Uh, Elliot Spitzer. Yeah. Who was just, He was like a... He was a disgraced governor. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought he like got in trouble. Yes. Um, He was going to close the aqueduct. Yeah, and they were going to make then, the Belmont the big attraction. Right. But then the people in Queens in that area fought to keep it open because it was known as sort of like the working man's racetrack. The Belmont was known as like the fancy one. So what you're saying about it being like a cheap admission price is probably true. Yeah. Or at least was at the time. It was like an affordable place where people could go yeah. and have a nice time. It's considered a second tier racetrack. Yeah. But there are tiers below. Sure, so, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it is it is in operation right now. In fact, there were races today. We didn't get there. It was at a weird time for us. They start. They were at one thirty, and we were we could either have gotten there at like eleven a.m. or when we did get there, which was like five thirty. So. Yeah, yeah. So we missed it. Yep, but but that's okay. We can go back again. Yeah, and I'm glad we got to see the track because Belmont is closed right now, so you don't get the chance to right. see it. Which I think is maybe part. Of, Partially because of COVID, but also it seems like Belmont runs for no, half it's the a, year it's and not, Aqueduct yeah, runs for the not, other half It's not COVID-related. Okay. The whole horse racing scene is based around different tracks alternating between being on and off. Right. So, yeah. I think this might be a good time to transition to you telling me about Belmont. But before we do that, can I give you a couple fun facts about Aqueduct that I wanted to share? Sure. Okay. So... Aqueduct is the site of the first and only triple dead heat for the win in a stakes race. I'm not I'm not sure I exactly no what, what I just means. said. <laughs> no, I think uh, I'm pretty sure that like dead heat means that there was an exact tie. Uh -huh. And a triple dead heat means there was a three-way exact tie. Yeah, okay. Wow. And it was in 1944. Mm -hmm. And do you want to know the horse's three names? Yes. That's always the best part. Carter Handicap. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, no. The Carter Handicap was the name of the race. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, okay. The horses were named Brownie. Brownie. Basu. Basu. And Wait a Bit. Wait a Bit. <laughs> they... Yeah, the three of them hit the finish line at exactly the same time. Wow. And then in 2006, in the Wood Memorial Stakes, a rare event happened when dead heats for each of the three money positions happened in mm. three 
separate races. Mm. Isn't that great? So do you understand that? So the dead heat is, again, like a tie. Right. And so there was a tie for win, place, and show in three separate races. Wow. That's strange. So strange. Yeah. Okay. And then what, just two more things. Okay. Uh, there's a Hall of Fame horse named yeah. Cigar. Yeah. And he had a 16-race win streak, and the first two of those were at the Aqueduct. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's kind of a big deal. And then also Secretariat. You yeah. know him, right? That's Heard right. Of him? Yes. He's a famous champion racehorse. Yes, he is. And he was retired at the Aqueduct in 1973 before the public. There you go. It says, he was paraded for the last time to the public and took his last steps on a racetrack there. He was then sent to stud at Claiborne Farm. Very good. We all know what that means. Yes. So those are the fun facts that I... Oh, there was also something about Pope John Paul II doing a bunch of masses there for a period of time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think I went and saw it. Really? Well, it seems like I remember seeing him at Belmont. Interesting. But, Maybe he went there too. Yeah, it seems unlikely. He, he, he was a pope of the people. He was a pope that people liked. Yeah. But you know, like, because the aqueduct is like the people's, sure. like the working man's. Yeah. You it seems strange. No, I understood. Oh. It seems. <laughs> didn't like it. <laughs> it seems, <laughs> seems unlikely that he would perform both racetracks a few miles apart. Probably I was at the aqueduct. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Yeah. So let's move on to the Belmont. Please. The Belmont, were, in its current location, was opened May 4th, 1905. Oh. Yeah. It was, or is, uh, run by the New York Racing Association, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. along with Aqueduct in Saratoga. And the, as you said, the Jamaica race course before it closed in uh, 1959. Mm -hmm. That's when the... New York Racing Association acquired all those. And it's now uh, Rockdale, I don't know if it's Rochdale or Rockdale. Rockdale Village, that's the name oh. of the park apartment complexes, which was not directly on our route, but very close yeah. to our route this week. And yeah, there. Uh, I'm going to read off the other tracks that have been in New York City historically. Okay. There was the Brighton Beach race course. Ooh. Yeah. There was one in Gravesend, Gravesend Racecourse. Uh, there's the Jamaica Racecourse, mm -hmm. as we mentioned. There's uh, the Jerome Park Racecourse, which is in the Bronx, mm -hmm. as well as the Morris Park uh, Racecourse, which is in the Bronx. Are either of them still around? Or are no. any of these no, still no. around? These no, they're, they're all not. done. Okay. Yeah, they're all defunct. The Morris Park Racecourse was the original site of the Belmont Triple Crown Race. Oh, wow. Which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, there was a Sheep's Head Bay racetrack. Mm. There was a, a Union course in Woodhaven. And there's also, this is not in the city limits, but you mentioned it earlier, and it's just on, it's in Yonkers, is the uh, the Empire race mm. course, which is harness racing and a casino. What is harness racing? That's when they have a, a carriage, like, on the back, like, with wheels. They do that? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> So, as you can see, there, I don't know, there's like seven or eight different racetracks. I mean, uh, yeah, that used to be popular, huh? Yeah, it was. And also, what happened? all places that are 
well, I guess I can't say definitively for the Bronx locations, uh, but for the other ones, they're kind of like Beachy. at well, they're at edges yeah. of areas. Yeah. So, which I guess makes sense. There, there's yeah, space. it's like you said before, just like where there's room. Yeah. So it was financed by August Belmont II. Okay. And uh, he is notable for a couple of reasons. He financed the original subway. And of course, subways, the subway system, which we should maybe do an episode on at some point, but that doesn't involve walking as much. No, it's the opposite. Yeah. It, you know, the subway systems were private before they were made you know, public yeah. utilities, if you want to call that. Right. And uh, they were two lines, right? I mean, there are more the than... The IRT and the... I think there were more than two. This is where oh, okay. I need to do research on. Yeah. But there, there was... A lot of the reasons that the development of the subway came on so quickly as, as opposed to now. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why it goes slower now. But it were because they were private enterprises. Right. So, so yeah. So it was just somebody making the decisions and making it happen as opposed to yeah. bureaucratic yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh, he... So he he financed the entire subway station at the time or he financed like a section that he wanted He financed finance? the original subway. Okay. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. And I don't know if I said it's not... It's somewhat debated, but let's, let's say mostly thought that Belmont is named after his father, not him. Oh. So he's a he's a junior. Okay. And August Belmont Sr. is important because he had a stable out in Babylon that raised championship horses oh. in Babylon, Long Island. And then he picked up and moved his horse breeding operation out to Kentucky. And oh, okay. Kentucky is very well known for its bluegrass, which is great for raising horses. And it's unclear to me if he is not the father of Kentucky horse racing, he is certainly one of the prime movers. Oh, wow. And so his, the, the race, the Belmont Stakes, that's named after him. So it might be that his, it may mm. be that his son is the person that is named after the park, but the race right. is named after the father. And so gotcha. August Belmont II inherited the the Babylon estate where the horses were raised, and he was big into polo, which was like okay. a thing back then. So like yeah. real aristocracy. Yeah, you know, polo feels very fancy. Yeah, yeah. As far as the the specs of the track, it is a mile and a half. Oh, okay. It has a couple of. Is that kind of big? Yes, it's uh has a couple of nicknames, including the fairest track. I think because it, the mileage evens things out. All right. What, why are you spe skeptical of that? Well, I don't know. I feel like I I get, really don't know anything about horse racing, but you know, when humans do running sports, some people are sprinters and some people are distance and some people are somewhere in between. And I don't know that it's like, yeah, it's just like maybe some horses are sprinters and some are long distance horses or whatever i don't know whatever i like it it's good the okay. ferris track evens things out another nickname for <laughs> it i wish i could control my face and just listen <laughs> another nickname for it is big sandy i like that the big sandy because it it's, dirt 
Uh, I don't think so. I think it's sand. Oh, it's sand. I, I don't. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's a deep, sometimes tiring surface. Oh. Yeah, equalizing, one might say. <laughs> it's like the blizzard. Yes, and it's also referred to as the championship track. Okay. Because almost all horse champions of the past hundred years have run here. Whoa. Yeah. The, That's why you weren't impressed with my facts about a couple champions. I guess, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cigar. Uh, the, it is considered one of the uh, set of elite tracks in the United States. Uh, those include Saratoga, uh -huh. as, uh, Keeneland, and Churchill Downs. Okay. Do you, do you recognize Churchill Downs? No. That's Kentucky. Okay. That's the Kentucky Derby location. Oh. Uh, Del Mar and Santa Anita, uh -huh. which are in California. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think Del Mar, and I'm fairly confident on this, but that was the one that we walked through when we were doing our California walk. Oh, I knew it sounded familiar. I believe so. Okay. And then this one was not listed as, the, uh, as part of the elite tracks, so I'd be curious to know why, but uh, Pimlico is the other one that I'm familiar with because that is the second leg of the Triple Crown. Oh. The Preakness is the name of that race. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 So that's in Maryland. Okay. Yeah, in Baltimore. Is it strange that now that I represent the aqueduct, I'm feeling a little like when you keep calling them elite tracks, like I want to like fight you? <laughs> no, that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it... Uh, it was home to a bunch of aviation tournaments in the oh, 1900s. Like what? Like the Wright brothers would put on these expositions cool. where I don't know if they were, I think they were just trying to figure out how planes worked. Like Whoa. we're going to test out some new models and stuff. And they would just like fly them around. I guess so. Like use it as a landing yeah, space. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It was also the, I guess the, the mail flight leg between Washington, D.C. and New York for a period of time. Like where the USPS mail planes yeah, would guess. stop? Yeah, Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. What, else, what other exciting facts uh, can I give you here? There, the largest crowd ever was in 2004. Okay. When 120,139 people came to see the final leg of a Triple Crown bid for... Uh, Smarty Jones, who had some local ties. Is that the name of the horse or the jockey? Smarty Jones is the name of the horse. Okay. And he lost. Oh, he lost Smarty. to Birdstone, uh, oh. which gets me to the uh, race itself, the Belmont Stakes, the yeah. third leg of the Triple Crown. It was first uh, run in the 1870s at Morris Park, which I said earlier. Okay, uh-huh. And then I believe it moved there when it when it opened in the 1900s. Okay. Yeah. And there have been 13 winners of the Triple Crown. And I, I mean, I think it's pretty self-evident. You have to win all three races, the Kentucky Derby, mm. the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes in one year. And it is... A pretty difficult feat. Yeah. And I'll read off the, the winners. Yeah, let's that see. That I've won. Uh, 1919, Sir Barton. 1930, Gallant Fox. 1935, Omaha. 
1937 war admiral. He's a very famous horse. I've heard of him. Yeah. So 30s was a good run. There were yeah. There were three winners. Uh, none in the 20s. You know, we went from 1919 to 1930. Oh yeah! Wow. Then uh, 1940s, another great year. Whirl away in 1941. I wonder. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I wonder if they were doing horse races in the 20s. Oh yeah. There were. Yeah. Well, it wasn't because it was also like the depression, right? I promise you, they were. They running, were definitely racing they were running horses. horses. Okay, all right, yeah. go on with the names. Say that one again. Whirl away. Whirl away. Oh. And I believe that the depression was the thirties, not the twenties. Prohibition was in the twenties. The Roaring Twenties. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Well, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Nineteen forty-three, Count Fleet. Nineteen forty-six, Assault. Nineteen? Are you reading at the same no. time? I think you're reading it at the same time. You always do this. She's always reading my notes. It's very frustrating because I feel like I can't get that dramatic extra bit because you already know the answer. Sometimes it's just easier for me to pay attention. If I'm 1948. Thinking. Did I say this one? Citation. No, that's the first time I'm hearing. Yeah. So four, that's, that's the news to me. <laughs> so that's four winners in the 1940s. Make sure this doesn't get... So, did any happen in the 1950s? I don't know. Did they? No. No? Did any happen in the 1960s? No. No. Wow. Did any happen in the 1970s? I'm going to say no. Yes. Oh. <laughs> 1973. What do you think? You want me to guess the name of the horse? You already kind of said something about it. Yeah. Well, oh, was it Secretariat? It was Secretariat. Oh, ding, 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 ding. In dramatic fashion, he won with an all-time length and all-time speed. Wow. What yeah. was it? I don't recall. Okay. Hand, I'm sorry. But you can, if you watch the race, uh, you can see he just blows away the competition. Wow. Yeah. And that was very dramatic because it had been, you know, what is it, 48, 58, 68, it had been 25 years. Since a horse had won yeah. the Triple Crown. Wow, that's amazing. He must have been so excited. He was very excited. Yeah. I wonder how many people named their pets Secretariat. I don't know. It only took four years until another horse came along. Who was that? Seattle Slough. Oh. Yeah, another well-known horse. And then 1978, Affirmed. That was the name of the horse? That was the name of the horse. I don't care for that. Okay. <laughs> well... It lived in the history books for quite some time because then the 80s came and went, the yeah. 90s came and yeah. went, the 2010s came and went, and there was no winner until 2015. Oh. American Pharaoh came and won. That was his name? That was his All name. Right. And then 2018, just three years later, uh -huh. Justify won. Oh. And that is the list of all the Triple Crown winners. Now, there have been wow. 23 that have won two legs Okay. and ultimately come up short. Yeah. And two uh, out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Thank you. And, uh, you know, growing up on Long Island, it was actually kind of a, you know, local thing, you know, a big deal. To go to the Triple Crown? Well, or to, to go, like, I, I've, I've never actually went. Yeah. But to to talk about it because, uh, you know, it would be a big, 100,000 plus people yeah. going to check it out. And from 2002 to 2004, there were three unsuccessful bids to try and be the Triple Crown winner. Oh, wow. And I mentioned, uh, well, it was War Emblem in 2002, Funny Side in 2003, and Smarty Jones in 2004. Oh. But I remember 
when I used to work. I used to work at a nursing home for a number of years, and they uh, we would do news like in the morning, yeah. and uh, that was always a big oh. thing to read the news about how this horse was going to be either it won the first one or the second one, and then like as you were getting ready for the third one, people would be very excited. Yeah. Yeah. And Smarty Jones in particular was a real favorite. Yeah. So. Oh. Uh, yeah. That is the very short of the history of Belmont. I don't think there's anything else worth. I mean, there's a lot worth knowing about Belmont beyond that. But I think that's what I have listed here. So. I loved it. Yeah. I would really like to do some horse races. Okay. I feel like I have watched them on the TV. I've placed small bets as a kid with my family just by watching the TV, and I'd like to do it in in person for real. Well, there's also a very big fashion component. I was just going to say, I'd also like to dress up <laughs> and get one of those hats. There you go. But I feel like I wonder if you can only do that at Belmont. Now that I know that Aqueduct is like the working class track and Belmont is like the fancy track. I wonder if people dress up at Aqueduct. I'm sure there's some vibe there. What do you, what, you know, what are people going to do? Yeah. We were. Oh, I guess we saw that woman in that amazing coat today. Yes. There was a woman in a mobile scooter in this uh, completely enveloping fur coat. Yeah, with a sequined mask and a fur hat and sequined gloves. Yeah, she was doing it up. Yeah, which, it was a good look. Know, yeah, yeah. I, I commend her. Yeah, it was cool. Um, okay, we should pivot. Okay, let's pivot. Because we wanted to cover a lot, of, a lot of ground. We should talk about what we're wearing. Speaking of fashion. Yeah, fashion. Yeah, that's right. These are our, our winter dichotities. And we'll put uh, some pictures up on top of the video, too, right, so you can see because they're it. probably hard to see, especially mine is printed blue on green, which I think is very cute in person, but probably doesn't show up very well on the camera. Yeah. But, yeah, and it looks great. Yeah. So what we did for this season is we took – we were looking at the map when we were in Queens last, mm -hmm. and we noticed that the neighborhood of Rigo Park – has a really interesting shape. And we were looking up why Rigo Park looks the way it does. And it turns out that Rigo Park looks the way it does because it was built by the Rigo Construction Company yeah. in 19... I believe the 20s. 24, I want to say, for okay. some reason. Great. And Part we... of this information, by the way, and I excuse my interruption, was in, informed by one of our recent podcast guests, Patrick Weaver. Mm -hmm. He said, go look up Rigo Park and do your own, you know, uh, research. And so that was kind of how we got started going down this rabbit hole. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was the case. That's right. Oh, thank you, Patrick. Yeah, you can check him out along with uh, JP, his partner on our Greenwood Cemetery episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Rigo Park was built by Rigo Construction Company, and then Rigo stands for real good. Yeah. Which we thought was so funny, and I, yeah, 
I would like to bring that into our language, the yeah. real, the rego for real good. And so what we did is we, um, these are a little more graphic and aesthetically designed than some of the other dichotities that are more like thought provoking and based on language and maybe hard to read. These are really easy to read. Mine is Rego Flight and it has the Rego Park situated to look like wings. Yes. And then Mike. Yes, I have Rego Sight and this is, I mean, uh, this is what it actually looks like. It mm -hmm. looks like this in both instances, but it's not actually doubled up on the map. Right. We just chose to make it look like that on the shirt that Jesse wears. So it would look like wings, yes. but uh, oriented this way, it kind of looks more like an eyeball. It also reminds me for people that are fans of the Zelda Breath of the Wild series, it kind of reminds me of some of the iconography that goes on there. And yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, just fun to kind of identify that in the map, you know, the Google Maps view of everything. And it, it is interesting to look at the city from that perspective. And there are a lot of shapes. I don't know if there are as many as compelling as this one, but there are a lot of shapes that arise uh, in the city, particularly in areas that are not Manhattan, because the Manhattan area is its grid, which is its own compelling mm -hmm. shape, but it, it doesn't kind of form that sort of imagination spark Kind of like when you're looking at a cloud. Yeah, I was just know? gonna say that. Yeah. Uh, so this was one that uh, sparked our imagination. Yeah, and it's nice because when we've walked through Rego Park since noticing that, it's like we have a whole new appreciation and connection to that neighborhood. Yeah. And what just what Rego is. Yeah. Yeah. And we will be selling these much like we have sold the previous yeah. uh, dichotities. And we will have some uh, further information on that. Yeah, we'll probably do another little video or something, a post or something like that. And what we know we are going to do is because it's winter, we wanted to get ourselves these sweatshirts to wear while we're walking and we went to one of our favorite places Udelco which is in Hawthorne New Jersey we've talked about it before it's this bulk vintage store where you know they collect like used items and dead stock items and you go in and it's just like a bunch of cardboard boxes stacked really high all labeled some are incorrectly labeled some are correctly labeled it's awesome it's really fun you go and you just like dig through stuff and we went and dug through a bunch of their crew necks sweatshirts and pulled out colors that we liked and all sorts of different sizes and we'll be printing on those we might have some t-shirts available to print on too but i think we might also just stick to the crew necks since it's winter and each one is really going to be unique and its own yeah yeah very Even much. more so than before. Like it already was that, but this this collection is going to be really like each one is one of a kind. That's right. This is from the same trip we did when we picked up the hats yeah. for those that have seen the hat video that we put out. And thank you all for those that have made orders for the hats. Yeah. It's been really gratifying to get those and uh, we still have a few more. So if you're interested, there's a video on that. We can throw a link onto that and you can get some while it's still cold. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. Get them while it's hot, but while it's still cold. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know if there's anything much more to say about this. You know, we are, I guess, expanding the idea of what a dichotomy is, as Jesse mentioned. And whereas previously it has been about the interplay of words being slightly different from each other, this is actually kind of still fits within that, but it's not phrasing. Right. Sight and flight are slight changes in the wording. Right. But it's as much about how the design references each other as it is about the actual words. So Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's our little intro to the winter dichotities. And I think there's one more thing we wanted to talk about while we're on this podcast this week, which was back to our walking route. We've been walking through a blizzard and the aftermath of a blizzard all week. Yeah. And yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, totally. So we, for some folks that are super keen on what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, we already recorded an episode about what it was like to be in the blizzard while it was super fresh in yeah. our minds. Yeah, we came home after uh, almost 11-hour day of walking through ice winds and recorded podcast about walking through ice winds. Yeah. So if you want to hear all about that, yeah, we'll link to that. Well, we're going to, I mean, I'm going to, we're going to include it here in a second. Oh, you are? Yeah, that's my plan. Oh, wonderful. We don't even have to link to it because that would have been my job. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, just stay tuned then. That's right. But Sorry I, about that. No, it's fine. I, uh, we should include kind of what it's been like the rest of the week. Talk to it for a couple minutes. Yeah. I think one, there, there are so many things that are interesting about walking around the city when there is just a metric ton of snow around. It's been interesting. You know, we did it in December when we had kind of a surprise snow at the very end of fall, right. December 19th or so. Right. And uh, that was fun. And the Manhattan experience of snow is pretty spot, uh, you know, responsive when it comes to getting the sidewalks clean. Not the case out in very East Queens. Yeah, it, as, as expected. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, I wasn't yeah. surprised by that at and, all. And, you know, walking in the streets for the past couple of days is, is perfectly fine. Right. Uh, but it does add a lot of time. It does, our, our feet have been tested more than they have been tested in the past four or five months. Really, our feet had achieved perfect, uh, you know, symmetry with our experience. And now wearing our boots and uh, constantly uneven terrain yeah. uh, has been uh, making us look forward to having this time off. Yeah. And I mean, I think the biggest thing, I mean, wearing the boots, they're like slightly heavier than the shoes, but the boots we have are great yeah. and really like comfortable to walk in all day. But I think the biggest thing for me is that because it was such a heavy snow yeah. and such a tall snow, yeah. there's multiple times throughout the day that you go to step in the snow and then you sink in further than the boot and then snow goes into the boot. And so then like throughout the rest of the day, it's just slowly melting into like the really great insulated lining of the boot and right. then slowly feeling slightly damp in the waterproof boot, you know, so that kind of thing is annoying on a short walk and just like more annoying on a long walk, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
not even that uncomfortable in the moment, but it more like it's like it affects you the next day because then things are a little damp and your feet are getting a little blistered and. Yeah, um, my feet, uh, I mean, and to a lesser extent, Jesse's feet uh, look like we've been in a bathtub for 12 hours because <laughs> uh, the dampness, I mean, it turns into water shoes yeah. just because the the height of the snow is so significant and you hit it's not so bad walking on the sidewalks, even if they're not shoveled. Yeah. It's a little bad at the crosswalks because you know, that's where all the water accumulates. What was really the worst was there are just some areas that we were planning on walking that are either uh, very rarely used sidewalks or uh, the sides of roads that were simply just snow and we had yeah. to walk through them. Uh, for maybe a quarter mile to a half mile where there are no other footprints and you're just you know you might as well be in an open field in the middle of the country yeah There's no difference there it's funny how i guess i'm just so used to like everywhere in new york having walkers yeah and a lot of those areas that you're talking about are kind of like when we're getting close out to belmont and we're near nassau county and like there aren't that many walkers and it is kind of a highway, but there's a sidewalk there Yeah. and the sidewalk just isn't cleared. And I find myself being like, what do they think? No one walks out here. And like, but then, like you said, yeah, there's like no other footprints. So probably no, yeah. <laughs> no one walks out there yeah. and that's why they haven't cleared it. Yeah. And they're probably dealing with the places in the city where people walk typically. Yeah. So yeah, it's fine. We had a couple areas where we really had to like, just go for it and like be in knee high snow like every step you're like maybe i'll float on the top this time yeah um it's kind of fun yeah even in the moment like that that kind of like hopping through it is kind of fun and i think the one thing that a lot of people like a lot of people have texted me to be like are you warm enough are you doing okay yeah um and yes like that that's really been like the saving grace for this week is that even though the snow makes it kind of hard to walk through and my the feet have gotten a little bit damp like i felt super warm i think we finally figured out the formula for preparing layers layers yeah yeah just like a lot of long underwear yeah yeah, yeah. and i'd say yeah, it's amazing how the body can acclimate to temperature. I, uh, yesterday was we were finally getting out of the cloudiness and the any any trace of snow coming down, and it was like thirty three degrees and like twenty five with the wind chill, and I swear it felt like spring. Yeah. I don't understand how that's possible because two weeks ago the same circumstances felt very cold, but now it, I guess after walking through a blizzard and a couple of days are really cold, yeah. it just changes your perspective. Yeah, I think that's it. And yeah. it was sunny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I'm, just, I'm referring to like after the sun had gone down. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, we were downright hot uh, for two days. Yeah. The, fir the, the, the day previous, uh, which the first day that everything had cleared up, we were still dressing as though a blizzard was happening. So we were sweating. And uh, today we toned it back a bit and we kind of hit a fairly good spot. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
One last thing that I want to bring up before we uh, go to the blizzard day. I have found myself really enjoying, uh, well, I have found myself uh, interested and generally enjoying the etiquette that's involved in navigating these very congested sidewalks because I really like the opportunity to either say thank you or to get out of the way for people and then see their reaction. Um, and it, Jesse and I were talking about this earlier today. I feel like over 50% of the people are very appreciative and we wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to interact with them, really, yeah. especially during a pandemic. There, people are not really inclined to, to smile or look at you, but you get an opportunity to uh, show deference and like be respectful and like do a very small act of kindness to people. Yeah. And uh, I feel it, it's if I find it energizing. I also find it like, well, why didn't that person? Oh, what's wrong with that? Yeah, it's why like a they, weird. Why didn't they? you know, say thank you. What's wrong with them? Yeah, I feel like I don't, I really, I, I feel similarly to you. And I think the times that I get that, the like, excuse me, yeah, is when I'm like climbing into us. Like I notice like, oh, I'm wearing really good shoes and I'm also out all day. And like, I don't mind like climbing into the snow to yeah. let this person go by because I see that they're like, not wearing snow boots or some or like have like a lesser pair of boots on or you right. know and then they don't even look like acknowledge that I've like climbed into the snow yeah like it's one thing if I'm just like waiting at the end of the trail I like whatever either say thank you or don't I like who cares yeah. but when I've basically just like thrown myself in front of a car or something you know I'm like right. <laughs> jumping out of the way and like yeah. my feet are getting wet yeah. That's when I'm like, all right, well, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what did I do that for? Right. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's kind of a game. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you get some uh, really ex interesting reactions from people. People yeah. you might not expect reacting nicely. People you yeah. expect reacting nicely, not acting in any way. So. Yeah. I also really like the um, interact I, there's something about the heavy snow that just it does kind of like bring people together in a way i like the like seeing someone shoveling out their car and making eye contact with them and like they know that you see them and they're like they're exhausted and you know they're exhausted and you're like thankful you don't have to do that and you give them like a knowing smile and they're like oh yeah like they're like yeah. i know yeah yeah that's and then fun. you like see them again later and you're like, you're still at it. Good luck. Yeah. And they're like, ah. <laughs> we had an interaction with the pair of guys that were throwing snow off the roof earlier. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, just, hey, good luck. You know, <laughs> thanks for not throwing snow on us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There were also some guys throwing snowballs across the street. Yeah. Across a really big, like busy, I think on Jamaica. Yeah. And they like stopped when they saw that we were going by. But yeah. They could also see that I was like, are they going to throw snowballs at? And they were laughing. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just fun. It's like, I guess because we don't get snow that often, maybe. Like, we get it enough that we know what it is. Right. And we, like, kind of know how to deal with it. Yeah. But I feel like we also don't get it all. Like, you're not, you're not going to get a snow like this every single year. Yeah. So when it happens, it's like everyone kind of turns into a kid. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, one last thing before we turn turn it over to what we talked about the blizzard. I know you're all very excited. The, uh, we should call out, and this might take a second to pull up, but we met uh, a lovely woman today yeah. uh, at her uh, shop, which was a, um, I guess, both like a center for community activity and a, uh, I guess, a gospel uh, shop. Yeah, so it's called God's Gospel Cafe. Yeah. And her name was Sharon, and she had someone working with her called Chica. And yeah, it was really great to meet both of those people. Um, Sharon and Chica were both really nice. And the shop that Sharon has is in Hollis. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she said she just opened it in October. There's, uh, we were, we, we're walking down the street. We're actually going to go to the deli on the corner. And then Mike has been taking pictures of all the free food fridges that we see. Yeah. Um, just to document, you know, where they are. And they're always like painted really nice. And yeah. Yeah. So I noticed what we hadn't noticed before, probably because we were trudging through the snow, that down that street there was a free food fridge. So yeah. I said, oh, Mike, let's go take a picture. And then as Mike is like getting the right shot, this woman comes to the door and I was almost like, oh, no, she's going to like, you know, be like, why are you taking, you know, like right. I was just like ready to be like yelled at. <laughs> and then it was the exact opposite experience. She was like, what? Hi, like, what are you doing? What are you wearing? What are those emblems on your uh, jacket and hat? And like, tell me about your project. And then she was so excited about our project and wanted to take a picture with us. And like we had this really nice chat and um yeah chico uh took the picture for us and he's a nice young man that's studying um at brooklyn college right now yep. and helping out at the shop and yeah it sounds like it's a place for people in the community to come get what they need come give what they have yeah. and it was yeah, the most about amazingly the... stocked free fridge it was, it was crazy, yeah. yeah. It was really impressive. Yeah, yeah. And she, they had, they even had a pantry, like non-perishable mm -hmm. uh, box mm -hmm. next to it. And yeah, and she has a dance studio yeah. there and is, you know, working with different artists in the neighborhood to make, to really like beautify the space. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really cool community space that, yeah. you know, we're not, part of the Hollis community. So I don't know, you know, I can't say like, oh, we're excited to have them in that area. But I think, I assume that anyone in Hollis would be excited to have Sharon in the neighborhood because she's really just great energy. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and seems she to has, really care about people and care yeah. about what she's, what she's bringing. Her birthday is February 5th, tomorrow. And mine is February 6th, yeah. the day after. So that was a fun thing we shared, too. Yeah. yeah. So happy birthday to Sharon. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm, I hope that, I don't know if anybody is going through Hollis, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah, we, we're going to go stop by again the next time our route takes us through there just to say hello. Definitely. Because it was really positive. But let us go to the blizzard section of our podcast for to today. To the blizzard. Yeah. We wanted to sit down while the experience was fresh 
to talk about today's events. And what did we do today? Well, today we walked the marathon in a blizzard. That's right. So, I don't know, is my face as red as it was before? No, it's oh, okay. calmed down. Are my eyes as tired as they feel? Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. So, we were a little bit beat up, as one might expect, but in, in a way, it's like we did 161 marathon walks to prepare for today's marathon. Yeah, it, it, Mike did say that to me at some point, I think in between my second and third time crying within the first three hours. Right. And that was encouraging for a little while. <laughs> well, why don't we why don't we go through the emotional beats of your journey? Okay. Say tell us how you felt. Sure. Okay. So, well, let's just start from the very beginning. We got up. We were prepping to go on this walk today. I was feeling a little bit stressed about work stuff, but I figured, well, we'll be in a blizzard and I'll forget about that. I'll just melt away. That's and right. Jesse got home at two in the morning. I did. Oh, that's right. I got home at two in the morning <laughs> from working really hard uh, because I am getting close to some deadlines. And between COVID and the blizzard and just general sort of cram time, uh, just a few extra things fell on my plate over the weekend. So I was trying to rush and get those done. And uh, the rushing part didn't quite happen, and I got home at two. So, so yeah, I guess I had only five hours of sleep for the first time, though, to be clear, that used to be a typical thing for me to only get about five or six hours of sleep a night. And I have been getting eight and a half hours of sleep every night right. since we've started this. Sure. So it was a real exception. And... I was tired this morning and I was thinking about work stuff and then, you know, we were going to do this, this blizzard walk and I was ready for it. We put on, or I put on three pairs of long underwear, my uh -huh. snow pants, yep. a pair of long underwear on top, two sweatshirts, and then I went back and I added a thermal under the <laughs> one of the sweatshirts, the big puffy jacket. We debated about rain clothes. We decided not to wear rain clothes. Uh-huh. And yeah, I mean, when we first started walking, I felt pretty excited and like we were going on an adventure, which we were. And I think I cried the first time, maybe an hour in, which is right. Does that sound right? Yeah. When the wind really started picking up uh -huh. and I started, I mean, at first, at first I was getting wind and ice kind of in my eyes and I was like, fine you know feeling awake <laughs> we can we can handle this but then it just kept happening yeah and i thought i have like i still have nine hours of wind and ice in my eyes and like is it gonna take my eyes out i'm gonna have to go to the eye doctor i really don't like going to the doctor like i'm gonna have to go to the eye doctor after this am i gonna hurt myself right. those were my thoughts yeah I and also just like, I don't want to, was really also my thought. Right. I wasn't really aware that all these thoughts were happening. I was slightly walking ahead. Yeah. Um, just all of a sudden, Jesse uh, screamed. Oh, right. And then spun in a circle. <laughs> yeah. It was I really, kind of forgot about that. <laughs> really unsettling. Because I thought we were having a good time. Yeah, we, well, we, that's the thing. We were having a good time. <laughs> I was not having a good time. 
<laughs> in my head right. separately, physically. Right. Uh, but we like we were having a nice conversation. We were we were we were perfectly pleasant. Um, and then a psychotic break happened very briefly. Just like not yeah no just like a quick just a quick little like gotta get it out. Uh, and then I think I had a granola bar. Sure. And that helped for okay. a little while. And then maybe an hour later, I was crying again. Yeah. Because I think we went through some like really unplowed areas yeah for like way longer than i wanted to be doing that and there was the ice wind coming straight towards us yeah strong and um yeah and we had to like trample through you know when you're like each step you're sinking in and then they the snow was coming above my boots and i was like oh fuck like it's we're just a couple hours in and like the snow is already getting in my boots and my feet are gonna freeze like what if my ankles freeze and then i can't walk anymore and like what if i have to get my foot amputated <laughs> and i was just like this isn't worth it so <laughs> that's when i started crying again and then um i didn't scream that time <laughs> no, held it together no a little bit better crying. yeah i think just a little uh, you were also like pretty far ahead of me so i had like plenty of time to just cry before you noticed. Where was this? Was this in Jamaica? Yeah, it was in Jamaica. Yeah. Uh, just to be clear for uh, future audiences and people that are not in New York City, we're talking 18 inches of snow, uh, 50 to 60 mile an hour gusts. Yeah. And consistently 30 mile an hour winds. Yeah. And also the snow was ice coming from the sky. <laughs> the snow, when it landed on the ground, it was snow. It was an actually really nice, like, crunchy, crinkly snow. Yeah. But as it was coming out of the air, it was ice. When it was blowy, it was, uh, yeah, hard on the face. Yeah. Which is why you got... Goggles! That's right. Yeah, so, um, I do have ski and, <laughs> ski and snowboarding goggles, and... I have joked about wearing them in the winter, never thinking that I'd actually need them. And today would have been a day to try them out um, because I didn't bring them along. We went into a Dwayne Reed. I thought, you know, actually one of those face shields that people wear because of COVID would have been so helpful because of the ice winds. So Mike spotted a Dwayne Reed and we went in and we couldn't find a face shield, but we found these medical goggles yeah. which i think um probably when they don't get wet they work really well but once they get wet they, it's like it feels like what i imagine it feels like to not have good eyesight well they change like to colors significantly too. not good eyesight i don't know why but they were clear previously yeah I'm and now they're now, green I think they have a film on them yeah maybe that's part of why oh my they, gosh maybe that's part of why they didn't, or maybe that's they're why protective see. who knows yeah either way um it was so helpful though to have these goggles when the ice winds picked up sure yeah it was they were great i just walk through them yeah i don't know how you did that without the gogs you know just didn't your eyes forward. hurt today i mean sure you know, yeah, it was just kind of part of it. I didn't want to. I didn't want to wear something that was going to fog up. That would be more bothersome to me than the pain of the the shards. Yeah, it's not even really that they fogged up. It's more that you just couldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they just got wet, and then 
it wasn't, I don't know if it was fog or not, but it was just like wet and then like smeary. Like it, at some, at some points I was like, oh, this must be what it feels like to not have eyesight. And then at other points I was like, oh, this is, must be what it feels like to be very, very drunk in a blizzard. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because there were a number of times that I thought I was just walking on like flat snow and then all of a sudden my foot would just sink. Yeah. But I still think that the goggles were helpful because I didn't keep them on all day. It was just like in the moments when we were walking straight into the ice wind. Yeah. Is when I put on the goggles and I could even like kind of just hold them over the top part of my eyes yeah. and then keep my head down and like I could see kind of like wearing bifocals or something. <laughs> just created my own little bifocals. Yeah. Um, but I did cry a third time when post acquiring the goggles. I think it was when we were on that long road in Hollis, which started out, there was a road in Hollis, Queens that started out really nice. 99th Avenue. Yeah. And it started out really nice. I think it was the first road that today we walked on the street instead of on the sidewalk because the sidewalks were not cleared at all. The street was fairly cleared and there were just no cars coming. Yeah. So we were walking on the street and then I think the road just was really long and about halfway through the road, it, the ice winds picked up again. So I had to put on my goggles and the streets were only like semi-cleared. So it was hard. It was just like trudging through and I was tired and a couple cars came and I tried to step out of the way and then just like, because I didn't see there was a snowbank because of these goggles. I just like tripped over, you know, and then would take off. I mean, it's like I was safe. I could like take off the goggles right away and then see clearly. Uh, but it was just frustrating. I was just tired. And I was like, I think there's something about in general on the walks. We were like almost at the halfway point And... I think once you hit the halfway point, you're like, oh, okay, I just have to do this one more time. But when you're on your way to the halfway point, it's like, we're not even halfway. Like it really, it's a crazy mindset. And I could adapt that and think like, you know, once I do one mile, I only have to do it 25 more times. But yeah, I think the way my brain works with these things, especially on the, the days that are hard weather-wise, um, leading up to that halfway point is is harder yeah so then we got some food at a deli we did yeah well i got and a i got you yeah or gatorade and we got you some napkins so you could oh yeah so blow your nose and clear off your goggles <laughs> um, yeah and i had a lot of snacks and i brought three granola bars today yeah one might be surprised how little we ate though yeah I mean, for we just had a big dinner and then are sitting down to record this now. Yeah. But I had to eat a piece of blueberry bread that mm. was maybe the size of two decks of playing cards stacked on top of each other. <laughs> and then I had six peanut butter crackers from like one of those dollar bags. And then I had a cinnamon brown sugar Pop-Tarts, two of them, and then that was it. Is that all you ate all day? Yeah, oh, and then no, nothing to drink. Oh. Um, we didn't have water until we got I home. I didn't offer you my Gatorade. You did, I declined. 
<laughs> it got so cold. I drank it throughout the day and it was the ice, the ice blue one. And it got so, by the end of the day, it was so cold, um, which I liked. It was nice. Yeah. Um, I had a bowl of cereal before we left with some sugar on top. I had a coffee. I had some orange juice. I had three the three granola bars that I brought along, one of which was the apple pie Lara bar, and it was so yummy. Um, I also had two cheese sticks and the Gatorade. We've talked about that. I Maybe that was it. I feel like there was one more thing. Oh, yeah, I got another. I brought three granola bars, and then I also bought one granola bar. Yeah. But that's still not a lot of food. We also didn't sit down at all. No, you can't. I mean, Or really where? stop. There was There's one no... time that I thought about asking you if we could sit down in the bus stop. Yeah. Do you remember when we were walking by, there was a school, and there were two people cleaning the sidewalk okay. right near the bus stop? And I thought to myself... That's so nice that those people are clearing the sidewalk around the bus stop because they weren't dressed in like city uniform. Like it just looked like people that maybe lived in the neighborhood yeah. and wanted the bus stop to be clear. Yeah. And I thought that would be a good spot to sit. But then I would have felt weird sitting there while those people were yeah. clearing the sidewalk. Yeah. And I also felt like we should just keep going. Yeah. I mean, at this point, we typically don't stop on the marathon walks anyway or like we don't need to stop yeah and so that was just kind of part of the the game plan at this point yeah i guess we didn't need to stop so we didn't yeah but and then it ended up taking we left at 9 45 we got back at 8 15 it was more physically exerting we ended up the pedometer said 28.2 miles we yeah. got we got to a block away from our house and it said 26.9 miles and the day before i had walked a little bit more and was it was not that distance when i checked it so i was skeptical that the pedometer was accurate yeah so we completely retraced the route which is to say we went like a mile past our house and then back to make sure that we would have walked the full marathon regardless of, of whether or not the pedometer was right. Yeah, so. which it might, it's the pedometer tracks based on length. Like it's not a GPS thing. It's based on, it's like a one that you hook onto your pants and it tracks the movement. It's stride so. length, but... It also says that it's optional to input stride length. So it's always kind of a little mystifying. It's a little confusing. It's possible. There was, there was a couple of deviations that made it longer along the route. So it's possible, but not likely that that was what it was. So rather actually feel uh, confident and possibly go over than not. So Yeah. Yeah. We want to... I mean, we had basically done it, and we knew that we could not collapse by walking up the street and back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, might but as well just make sure that we did the full marathon. I think it was like I think it was eight fifteen. So, nine forty five to eight fifteen. Ten and a half. Ten and a half hours. I think. Which is slower, but 
for obvious reasons. I mean, most Wait, of this. Ten and a half or eleven and a half. Ten and a half. I'm sorry to cut you off. Most of the I've, I, actually a surprisingly low amount of sidewalk space was cleared. To be honest, I think a lot of people were just like, "It's a blizzard. I'm not going to go into work. I'm not going to do anything." Yeah. Period. I think at the beginning of the day, there was more sidewalk available. Yeah. And then, yeah, as the as it snowed the entire day, uh, less and less. Yeah. And also, there were just not very many cars on the road. Like in the in the morning, there were closer to the normal amount of cars on the road. Or at least, maybe I wasn't even paying attention because we were on the sidewalk. But definitely by the end of the day, we I mean, we were just walking in the middle of the street. Yeah. And, like, there was no one. Yeah, we were trying to avoid the bigger roads. We'd go one block over and then walk on the side roads. Yeah. And that worked out pretty well. Yeah. Honestly, most of the cars we saw at that point, I'd say 40% were in some various <laughs> sense of distress. Yeah. And we tried to help on two separate occasions. The we first failed both times. The first occasion, the car was just straight up on a hill of snow. And it wasn't really apparent until we started pushing that it was like, oh, we are making no difference. Yeah. It was like after we walked away, we could see that the front wheels weren't even touching the ground. Yeah. So it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't going anywhere. But that, the first time was also like in someone's driveway and they were clearly working on trying to get it out. And I just was watching them and then the, there was like an older man and he sort of was like, push and like pulled, like called us over. So yeah. we tried and then like we tried for, I don't know, one try and it wasn't going to move. And we were all just kind of like, eh, all right, good luck. Bye. Yeah. Um, but of course, uh, anybody that lives in a cold climate knows that there is a real sense of satisfaction getting a car out of snow. So we were as much seeking this experience out. I was out. really looking towards this because yeah it feels so good you feel so strong and usually you know it's weird because usually I feel like it's so easy to push a car out of snow because usually if it's I guess it was just so much snow today maybe I don't know I feel like usually it's like it has some traction it just needs that little oomph and then you like barely have to touch it and it goes and you feel so strong yeah the second time there was a guy that we saw him get caught in one half of the intersection <laughs> and we're going to help him there. But then he drove to the other half of the intersection to get caught. So then we walked over and like signaled at him. And, you know, it just we it was like a bad date. We didn't really have the chemistry. Yeah, he I think he wanted our help, but he also was unwilling to communicate. He like, we were like, oh, do you want a hand pushing it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But then like backed up and we were like, well, we're about to stand behind your car. Like you can't back up. Like we're going to help you push. But we were like, okay, maybe that's helping. And then he like went forward, but then we started pushing and it didn't seem like he was accelerating. Like it seemed like he had stopped accelerating once we started pushing but then, like, only accelerated when we weren't touching the back of the car. Like, I don't know if he didn't understand how this works or if it was just not yeah. communication or, yeah. We it needed was... to coordinate. And every <laughs> time the car was ready to be pushed, he would hit the gas without saying anything. And then 
when we were trying to like, okay, well, I guess it's time to push, he would start going in reverse and we'd be like, no, we need to get, we were getting yeah. hit by the car. We weren't getting hit by the car. We didn't get hit by the car. Well, no, because when we it was, we saw the reverse lights go on and moved yeah. away. But what should yeah. happen is we should have all pushed at the same time. Yeah. Anyway, we were like, <laughs> we, we, and then he got out and he had an ice scraper and he was scraping under each wheel and then he got back in again and we did the dance for a little bit. And then ultimately we were like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. And then there was like there in, in the same part of the intersection where he had gotten caught and freed himself earlier. There was then traffic piling up and they were beeping their horns. And... Yeah. And then one, they, the two cars finally just like they could just turn. And so the one car turned and then the second car turned, who was the one that was beeping and rolled down his window. And I think he yelled, dude, get a big boy truck or something. Yeah, he did. Um, he was from Minnesota, according to his license plate. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he knows about snow. He knows about big boy trucks. Minnesota yeah. is what I called it once when I was there. And it's not. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, two unsuccessful attempts to push people out. I sort of like, it's unfortunate. It's fine. I But I sort of had this idea of like, we're going around town. We're going to like, all day long, we're just going to be like, boop, boop, just like pushing people in every neighborhood will have pushed a car out of <laughs> distress. <laughs> no. Didn't happen. We also saw two cars that were out of control. We saw one small car and then one Jeep that were both swervy. Mm -hmm. That yep. was fun. No, they were fine. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is we heard a fire truck we heard the second fire truck of the day and I said to Mike, what do you think a fire truck is needed for on a day with a blizzard? Do a lot of fires happen on blizzard days or are they going to deal with trees or like, what do you think this is about? And then we noticed that it had stopped just two blocks ahead. So we were like, well, we're gonna find out what the fire truck is needed for. And the fire truck had been racing to get to an ambulance that was stuck, like not an ambulance that's in the boxy truck but in the ambulance that's in like the sprinter car van mm -hmm. and all the firefighters had gotten out of the fire truck and they were pushing the ambulance out of the snow and they did it but there were also like eight or ten firefighters yeah like whatever <laughs> i'm feeling competitive with them but i did realize um and but they just looked so happy like they did it and then they were like laughing and like kind of like dancing around and like waving to the ambulance and then the ambulance got stuck again. So they like got to do it again. Um, so that was fun. That was fun to watch them enjoy that time. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about the day? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I think those are the highlights. Those are the highlights. Are we missing anything? Oh, well, we were warm. Did we say that? Did we say that? I was very warm. I had to keep taking my gloves off because I was, in fact, too warm. Uh, yeah, I was very comfortable. We were both very wet, but comfortable. Our feet, my feet, for whatever reason, well, I know what reason, because we were in 18 inches of snow, uh, they got completely, they were like water shoes, even though I'm very happy with the boots. Yeah. It was just a little too much. Probably from going in the deep snow yeah. too many times. Yeah. yeah. My my feet were actually fine. Um, they were like, you could tell that they had gotten wet. Like when I took my shoes off, like my socks were a little damp. But when I was actually wearing the shoes, I didn't feel like I had wet feet. Yeah. So. 
But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's all I want to say about the snowy day yeah. on the snowy day. We yeah. can talk more about it later. We're going to continue. I don't know. This is either at the end or the beginning of the podcast. And we will also be talking about the racetracks. That's right. At the end of the week. All right. Well, that does it for this week of our action-packed episode of the podcast. Racetracks and sweatshirts and blizzards. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for watching. If you enjoyed it, you can share this with a friend. You can subscribe. You can comment. You can like. You can touch all the buttons on the page. And, uh, yeah, send us, send us your thoughts and hope to see you again soon. Yes. Thanks so much for your support as always. And until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.